Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. last week. Can I say that? Um, man, talk about, dude, give it up, man. If you missed it, you've got to go back and watch it from last week. Go online and watch it. But man, freed people, free people, freedom Sunday. Um, you went out this uh, last week with a group of ladies to propel women's event. And uh, she said, man, I got hard for these uh, people across the world in slavery. And so she personally said, hey, we're going to start giving 821. Um, just make a difference and set people free around the world. And I believe that's what we do as Christians. But man, just excited what God's doing in our church. We're launching a new series. We talked about anxious for nothing. Today's theme is really something I think is going to speak to so many of us. This idea of when you had enough. I don't know if you've ever had enough in life. There's been a few moments where I know I've had enough and said, man, I'm throwing the towel and this is not going to work out. So if you're anxious at all, maybe you have some kind of worry or anxiety, you feel like it's too much, this message is for you today. So I want to encourage you guys to stand to your feet real quick. We're going to read God's Word and I really encourage you this morning uh, to follow him. But man, if you have any kind of worry in your life, maybe there's something going on in your family, uh, maybe some financial stress, maybe you feel like there's some anxiety, some pressure, maybe things aren't working out. If you feel overwhelmed, I know, come on, somebody, overwhelmed, you're a little stressed, is too much. This message is for you. What we're going to do, we're going to dive into the book of Philippians, and we're going to look at a passage we've talked about in the past, but we're going to dive into it even deeper and look at some different things. I believe God's going to speak to us over the next four weeks and help us calm our anxiety, our fear, our stress, and just maybe just dive into God, let just saturate our hearts. So over the next four weeks, we're going to dive deep into a passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. And so if uh, you want some context to this passage, this is Paul speaking, and in the moment of Really, what he was trying to do is preach the gospel to the to the Roman leadership. He actually wanted to go to Caesar Palace. Come on, somebody, not Las Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Um, but he wanted to go. He wanted to take the gospel to the to the known leadership in the world and make a difference. And uh, his plans got totally hijacked. Ended up being in a, in a prison in Rome. And he wrote this letter to the Church of Philippi to encourage them in this moment of uncertainty and really kind of maybe his darkest day, days, even chained to another Roman soldier. He writes this passage. That I believe is something to be powerful for you today and help you set you free. It says this in Philippians chapter four, verse four. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And this is what we're talking about today. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Say it with me. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything. In other words, be anxious about nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all their standing will guard your hearts and minds. Christ Jesus. Father, come before you. God, I pray that your, your presence, God, would fall in this place. God, I pray for people that have come in today, God, full of worry, maybe shame or guilt. Maybe there's some anxiety from the past. God, I pray they experience your goodness. God, they'd cast their cares on you. God, they'd be set free. God, I pray you would guard our minds and our hearts, God, through your peace. And I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, before you're seated, give somebody a high five and say, the Lord is near. Give somebody a high five. Say, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. You guys be seated. You know what I love about real life, one of my favorite things about real life is that it is real life. I'm telling you why you show up. We, uh, I always try. I always love that I come here and be who I, who I am. You know, I have to put on the Christian robe or the uh, uh, put, 
Yeah, she's like, there's somebody who gets that. All right. I don't have to wear the Superman cape, all right? The superhero cape and have it all together. And, you know, I struggle just like everybody else. I'm a real, regular person. Uh, I don't glow in the dark as a pastor. I have a magic halo that gets polished over my head. And so I just love that I can be real and be genuine. We believe in authenticity. And uh, my philosophy of church world is simply this. Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where the food is. Like, I don't have it all perfect, I have it all down. So this morning, the passion for this message series really is coming out of a heart of, of anxiety and worry and fear and guilt in my own life. And so I want to kind of share with you a few stories. And uh, I can't go in super in-depth with some of these, but I just want to share a few stories in my life that I've struggled with and I believe that God's going to help encourage you through your story. So I don't, I'm not looking for pity or some kind of brag moment. I'm just trying to tell you, man, I'm a, another beggar showing another beggar what food is. And so one of the things that really uh, gets my heart racing and, and that really stops me from sleeping at night is when, when there's uncertainty in my life. And if you've ever had a moment of uncertainty, maybe it's a job situation, or if you've been there before. And uh, for me, that, that, those moments happen most when there's somebody in my family that's going through something. And so over the last few weeks, uh, there's some stuff that's been happening in our family, and uh, it, it's just kind of throwing me off kilter a little bit. I've been waking up, and you kind of that moment of like, oh, life is good, all of a sudden you remember, <laughs> like, dude, there's something going on. Like, I mean, I gotta, what can I do, what can I do? And so my heart's been kind of racing, and I don't know if you've ever woke up in the middle of the night, and you're like, just can't go back to bed because you're just so captivated by what's going on. And so there's a season in my life that I'm going through, and if you can pray for my family, and, and there's just uh, there's this relationship that's going on there that needs to be some healing, some mending, but man, we're doing our best to say, man, God, do this. But man, there's so much pressure you put on yourself as a leader, especially being a pastor, right? Like, man, I've got to get in there and make this work, and I just, I just can't do it. So, so I'm in season of that, and uh, over the course of the summer, we kind of ran a situation that uh, just kind of we thought was kind of moving forward, and, and uh, there's a relationship that me and Diana poured into uh, with a young lady and, and spent so much time and energy with, and it kind of didn't work out. Like, we kind of just kind of separated ways, and uh, we're like, man, we, we got to get back in our life, got to care for her. We got invited to this reception, and uh, we're like, man, it's a big opportunity to let her know we care for her and love her. And as we get close to the reception day, we're calling like a couple days out, we get uninvited uh, to the reception. Um, I don't know if you've ever been uninvited to something. Um, I've never had in my whole life. Um, that's rejection, you know? And I just kind of felt it like, oh my gosh, like the wind sucked out of our sail a little bit and just kind of knocked off the horse. And I thought, man, we're still there, you know? Like we're still struggling. Like I'm trying and trying and trying and trying. Just, it's just not working out. You know, earlier this summer, I found out something um, that really just kind of took me back uh, just for a short season. But I found out there's a leader in my life that was following Christ, that somebody I looked up to in my life. And man, they started walking away from God, just making destructive choices. And uh, man, just kind of just sucked the wind out of my sail. Like just the spirit of like disappointment, uh, almost discouragement, like, man, can we make it? Like, man, what's going on? Like, and I look at my own self, like this, this voice of doubt becomes in my ear, right? <laughs> like, are you good enough? Like, what's different with you? Like, can you make this happen? Like, are you, are you a good enough leader? And this voice starts talking to you, and it's just a small voice, right? But I know you gotta be careful in all these moments of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. These things come in your life, you gotta be, you gotta be on guard. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you that you're not alone in this battle, you all struggle with it. I was talking to somebody on our team and somebody on our leadership, and, and she was telling me she was having trouble sleeping at night. She's, uh, she's run one of the ministries, and it's just like, man, there's just so much pressure. Like, I know there's so much pressure doing this. Like, there's this weight of, like, man, I got to see people come to Christ. And there's this, there's this weight of running ministry and people looking at you and all this stuff. And I was like, welcome to leadership. <laughs> you know? Like, you, that's, that's part of it. You got to give it to God. You got to give it to God. But that, that's so hard to do, isn't it? Like, that's just such a trite answer. Like, give it to God. And so this morning, how can we be anxious for nothing? Like, in a world or an age of anxiety, right? 
like we have to compare ourselves to everything in the world on Facebook and, and social media. We compare ourselves to every other thing that could be going great in your life. In a world where, where literally you go on the headlines and it's just bad news after bad news and there's just heartbreaking tragedies, there's mass shootings, there's all this stuff going on, there's political agendas, and all this mess that you see every single day. How can we live without anxiety? There are studies that say the next generation, Generation Z that's coming up, is the most stressed generation in recent history. Like literally look into the future and all they see is just stress everywhere. Every decision they're going to make, they're already questioning. They're so young, but they already know that this is the anxiety and pressure that we have in our own lives and this worry and doubt. So how can we live without anxiety? You know, you might even ask the question, is it even possible? And so this morning I want to dive into a story I believe is going to be super practical. It's going to challenge us. It's a story of an Old Testament prophet. This prophet was much like you and me. This prophet loved God. He saw, the, he saw the provision of God. He saw the presence of God. He saw the power of God do incredible things in front of his eyes, yet he massively struggled with anxiety. The prophet we're going to talk about today is the prophet Elijah. Now I'll give you some context to his story. Elijah, he went to a king, a very evil king, uh, King Ahab, and he told him, he said, hey, because of your sin, because of the way you're living against God, God's going to bring a drought on this nation. And so King Ahab, he did what most people did. Uh, he got fiery and upset. He sent the army to go kill Elijah. And so Elijah ran from the king. He ran from the army for three years. And God was faithful to him. God took care of him. God fed him with bread and fed, fed him with meat. And the ravens and the air came to him. Elijah even raised the dead. Like he saw the power and presence of God in his life. He actually really cool stories. I love this. Uh, he, he goes and confronts and, and stands down 850 prophets of Baal, these false prophets that claim that they know God and are doing all this other stuff. And he stands them down. He, he looks at him and says, hey, this ain't going to work out. And he calls down the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He calls down fire from heaven and turns those prophets into crispy little critters. You know what I'm talking about? Just burns them up. I'm like, oh, dude, this is a great story, right? I always run out in the Bible app and the different kids, like, what's going to happen? I don't know if you like that at all. Like, that's just a nerd alert, I guess. But I've watch the, the stories with my son. I'm like, how are they going to burn these people up? Oh, that's cool. I like the way they did that, you know. Um, but I just get excited about that. It's like, man, the presence of God was in his life. Like, he saw it every single day. And then something crazy happened. He, uh, this, this woman, this grumpy old lady got upset at him. And he ran and he hid and he got depressed and discouraged. And so this morning, I want to talk about some of the mistakes he made by, by this lady being upset with him. Matter of fact, it was King Ahab's wife, Jezebel. If you thought Ahab was evil, uh, he was like Mother Teresa compared to Jezebel. As soon as Jezebel was upset with him, he got word that Jezebel wanted to kill him. And all of a sudden, he just falls into a spiral of depression. He makes some mistakes along the way in this, in this state of depression and anxiety. This morning, you might recognize some of the mistakes in your own life. Maybe one, two, or three, or maybe all of the mistakes we're talking about, all four mistakes. And so this morning, we're going to dive into the text. I want you to check this out. This is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. This is Elijah's story of having enough. It says, Elijah was afraid. And he was freaking out. He had a deep feeling and deep anxiety in his life. It says he ran for his life. It says when he came to Beersheba in Judah, and look for the mistakes, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness by himself, he came to the broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I mean, notice how irrational that he's acting. Now, he runs because he doesn't be killed by Jezebel. And then when he gets where he's going, he immediately prays and says, God, I don't want to live anymore. Take my life. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you just can't take anymore. You can't move forward. This is what he literally prays to God. He says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Man, some of you might be there right now in your life. You may have been paying the bills and paying the bills. And guess what? Things keep breaking. Things keep adding up. The bills keep coming. You can't feel like you're getting ahead in your situation. Maybe there's a relationship. You keep trying and trying and trying. Boom, uninvited. <laughs> 
Maybe you've been trying to make something work. Maybe there's something in your life you've been praying for. Or maybe maybe it's your schedule. You're just working and working and working. You feel like, man, I just got to work a little harder. I can get there. And guess what? Work is not paying off. It's not, maybe you're a single parent. You try to do everything your way. And you try to put all together just not enough strength and time in the day to make it all work. Maybe you've cooked 9,000 meals for your family and they never said thanks before. But this 9,000, the first time they didn't say thanks, guess what? You're praying in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to cast out some fire in your family. Turn the crispy critters like that beetloaf they didn't appreciate. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you're, you're, come on, somebody. You better be grateful for something up in here. You guys have put up together just not working out the way you want it. You know, Elijah made some common mistakes that we often make in our life, and then we're looking for these mistakes we make. Uh, first thing is we, we run ourselves into the ground. We can run ourselves straight into the ground. Think about this. Elijah was afraid, and so he ran for his life. Matter of fact, he ran 100 miles. Man, that's four marathons straight. He ran as far as humanly possible that you can run. Literally, he ran until he hit a giant body of water and had to stop. He went as far as possible as he could go in his life. I feel like it's a little Forrest Gump here, right? Run, 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 Elijah, run. I'll stop it. We'll delete that for next gathering. Okay. But he ran himself into the ground. I don't know if you've ever ran yourself into the ground. Maybe you've gone too far, too long, right? You just ran too fast. You've just been going and going and going and going and going. I, I, I don't know. I'm just like notorious for this because my, my MO is like when it gets tough, you pull up your bootstraps, right? And you keep going. You keep going. You can wear yourself really into some discouragement, disappointment, anxiety. Uh, I, I worked at a church, and I helped tenant finish a building. It was what we called the Redford. Uh, and it was like we got in December, and we had to have, like be ready to meet by, by May. And so I literally, like, if I was awake, I was, I was working, and we were just talking about this other day, I was, I was working in tent finishing this building. Um, I was there, like, 24-7. If I wasn't preaching the message, I wasn't pushing the snow, which it didn't really snow that year, it didn't work out. Okay? But if I was pushing the snow, I was working in this building nonstop. Uh, some of you guys were there. Um, if, you were, if you were married to somebody that was doing this job as much as we were, uh, you guys called yourself the Redford Widows. Uh, Diane was like, my husband's gone. <laughs> You know, he's working 18 hours a day, 24-7. This guy's just out of here. And uh, we just had a purpose and a passion. When we opened the building up in May, guess what? Everybody's like, yeah. <clears throat> They're all super excited, right? Well, guess where I'm at? I'm laying on the ground like, I'm out. Matter of fact, uh, I ended up putting up these techno panels, which is like sound panels, like you kind of see over here on the wall. And uh, I ended up putting these on the walls and stuff. And uh, I ended up, literally, no joke, I ended up in the hospital because I got an infection in uh, one of my bursa sacs in my knees. And so literally, I was on the hospital bed from working, 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 working like crazy. And I'm just going to tell you something. You can literally run yourself into the ground. You know, we can exchange all the great things in life for all the good things in life and never say no. And for a lot of us, we're just running in circles. We say yes to every single opportunity. We could never say no to anybody. We spend all our time on stuff that doesn't really amount to the main things we want in our lives. So I encourage you, don't run yourself into the ground like Elijah, like Elijah did. If you're a season of anxiety and of stress, I mean, look at your schedule. What are you saying yes to? And what should you say no to in your life? I don't know about you, but I don't want to run myself in the ground. I, I promise myself, if, if we tend to finish something, I'm not going to do the work. Hold me to that. <laughs> Somebody please choke me out if I show up with a tool belt on, right? Like that's not going to happen, man. You can do it. doesn't mean you should do it. Same thing, second mistake he made is that we shut people out. This is what Elijah did. He shut out the closest companions in his life. And if I could preach a message for like 24-7, uh, after so many conversations I've had in leadership, this is literally the MO for so many people. The very first thing we do is we shut people out in our lives. I want you to notice this, that he left his servant behind, his most trusted companion. He said, you know what? I've got from here, bro. Like, I know we've done this all together, but guess what? From here, this is what I deserve. 
Like, this is a battle I've got to face my own. I've got to carry this weight all my own. I've got to get there with my own strength and my own power and my own ability. Like, I love you, but dude, from here on, I'm by myself. There's so many times in our life, the first thing we do when it gets tough is we start cutting everybody out. We start avoiding the real issue. And we're like, man, I'm just going to take care of this on my own and get there. I think life groups are so important for our lives. You know, we're launching this is the third week of life groups, the start of the third week of life groups. And those relationships are so important to your life. I, mean, I believe this, you're incomplete without the body of Christ. As much as we say, like, I can listen to the podcast, and I've got my YouVersion Bible app, I listen to the messages, and I've got the stuff in my life. Without the body of Christ, without people in your life to help you, you cannot make it. There's no superheroes in Christianity. Come on, somebody. There's no cape big enough. There's no strength big enough. You don't have it in you. I know the way we're raised, and you guys are like, well, I can do it. I've done it before. No, it cannot work. I'm telling you, that's not the theory or the formula to grow towards Christ. You're not strong enough to do it yourself. And so life groups are so important. The relationships you're will help you along the way. I love what the Bible says. If you confess your sin to God, you get forgiveness. But you confess your sin to others, you receive healing. You find freedom in life groups. There's something that happens. You get over your past. Through yesterdays, you move forward from. You get healing from God because you're around other people that are helping, encouraging you and keeping accountable and let you know the things of God in your life are happening and he's changing from the inside out. I believe this. God doesn't call you from something. Elijah just ran and ran and ran. Had no idea where he was going. God doesn't call you from something. He calls you to someone. He calls you to someone. First of all, he calls you to Jesus. But I say, secondly, he calls you to the body of Christ. I mean, if, you're in a, if you're in a season of anxiety and stress, I'm going to ask you, who is in your life? Who are you running to? Because most of us, we're spending our time running from something, but God wants you to run to somebody. You never know the next relationship that might change your life. I love what Jesus did when he went after the one. He left the 99 together because there were safety and numbers. I'm going to encourage you this morning, if you're running from God, you're running from a problem, man, you need to stay together because that relationship is going to help you grow and develop. And to be honest with you, usually what you're running from when you get there and you look in the mirror, you find out that problem is still there with you. The problem did not change. It's the people around you that help you change the problem. So don't shut people out of your life. Don't run from people, run to people. Third mistake Elijah made that we often make is we focus on the negative. We focus on the negative. He said this, he said, I've had enough. He started listing out the problems. He's like, I'm just like all my ancestors. Man, I'll never get it right. Like, I'm just a failure. It'll never work out. I've tried too hard. I'm just, it's just a repeat cycle. I've, I've done my best, and now I can quit. Man, I can't stand the people I'm around. I can't stand my job. I can't stand these relationships. I'm never going to have enough money. I'm never going to be happy. You know, there's so much power in positive thinking. Anybody go to Ray Peck out of PPT? The power of positive thinking. Scott Germain taught me this this week. The power of positive thinking. You are what you tell yourself you are. You become exactly who you talk to yourself in your mind like. And I'll tell you something. You can't be a positive person with a negative mindset. You can't do it. As soon as you, as soon as you concede and say, you know, I'm defeated. Well, guess what? You start going down the road of defeat. So I want to encourage you to win the battle in your mind that, you know what, there's a lot of positive things out there. And Elijah missed a lot of the positive things that God was doing. He had the power and the presence and the, and the provision of God in his life, but he missed it completely. Fourth thing is this, the mistake we can make is we can forget God. This is absolutely crazy. Here's Elijah. He called down fire from heaven. And he forgets God when he gets into the biggest problem he's had. He forgets God even there. In every moment, every situation, God's been faithful to him on this run for three years. He's been providing food for him and meat for him. He's kept him safe. I mean, he does all this stuff that he sees God's presence right there in the moment. And as soon as this problem happens, he runs away from God and forgets his even existence. And I don't know for most of us, like when I get into a problem, my first reaction is start strapping on the boots, right? 
Like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do it in man strength. I'm going to go put my Superman cape on. I'm going to see if I can go take some bullets, right? And instead of just going, hey, God, you got this. Hey, God, you got this. God, I, I can't carry this burden myself. You got this. Give it to him. But so many times we're trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to prove ourselves maybe just to ourselves, maybe to our dads, maybe to somebody around us, maybe to your boss, maybe to a friend. We're trying to prove ourselves to all those other people. We ought to prove yourself because Jesus has done something already in your life. You have to go grab your cape. You know, Elijah, his name alone should have given him encouragement. Now, I love, his, I love what his name stands for. If you think about his name, it's Elijah. El means this. It means Elohim. It's the Old Testament name for God. So his beginning part of his name is God. And the I is literally I, my. So it's my God. His last part of his name is Jah. Jah means Je Jehovah. In the Old Testament, we would call it Yahweh. So his name literally means my God is Yahweh. And you're thinking, okay, what's that even mean? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses. And he referred to himself by the name Yahweh. He said, I am that I am. So you guys sing a song about the great I am. You guys talk about the breath of life. Literally, in the Old Testament, you wouldn't put vowels in that name. They wouldn't even say that name because it was so sacred and so powerful. And so when Elijah thinks of his own name, he would have literally said, my name is Yahweh. He would have just had a breath. He wouldn't even actually said the name Yahweh or Jehovah. He literally said, my God is breath. If you think about who you are, that you are the great I am. You, you're, my name is the source of life. Elijah, I'm connected to what God wants me to do. Uh, my, my name comes from the creator. I wasn't just here on my own and my own strength and ability. I'm connected to the source. I'm connected to the great I am, the one who's purposed me, the one who's sent me, the one who has prophesied through me, the one who's cast down fire through me, the one who's provided for me. You are connected to the living God in your life. I'm telling you this morning that your name is powerful. And your name, that Elijah, his name was powerful to him. That his name Elijah should remind him of things of God in his life. And so I want to encourage this morning when Elijah didn't remember all these things. Because guess what? I'm not, I don't remember that. When I see the family issue and I get rejected and I see the problems in my life and I'm facing the battle in that Jezebel. And uh, by the way, don't name your, your daughter Jezebel. And if you do, that's, that's cool, I guess. But um, <laughs> not a good name. Um, but, it, but you see that Jezebel in your life comes after you. Guess what the first thing you do is? You run to God. You don't run from God. You run straight to God. You know, this morning you might say, well, well, I messed up so many times. I love what God did in Elijah's life. This is how God met him in 1 Kings 19. He says this, the Lord said, go out. This is to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord is not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord is not in the earthquake. And after earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire came a gentle whisper that God was in the breath the Yahweh. He was in the breath of just a small whisper. This morning I'll invite uh, my wife Diane on stage. You can give her a hand. You can do it. Come on, baby. You might ask, like, why, why does God whisper? Like, why, why isn't God just shouting from the mountaintops? Like, why doesn't God just make it so apparent? You can over here. Look anxious. <laughs> That's her normal look when she's around me. She just never know what's going to happen. But why, why, why doesn't God just, just, just call, just send down a tablet? You know, Diane used to say, like, why doesn't God just send down Ten Commandments? I can read it, right? Like, why isn't the will just known in my life? Why can't you just speak to me audibly? Why can't this stuff happen? I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't do something extraordinary out there. He's doing something ordinary in your life. God wants to do something ordinary. Because here's the deal. When God whispers to you, it means simply this. It means, it means he's close to you. It means he's right here. He's literally right next to you. He's not talking to anybody else. He's just talking to you. And so when, you, when you're going through a situation in your life, 
you think, oh man, I'm not good enough. And Satan's yelling at you, like if you were a better pastor, if you're a better father, I mean, if you worked a little harder, if you just got through this on your own, like God's let you down before, he's not really there. If you can do it all that way, and all these voices come in your head, and you can't, you can't hear God, you know why? It's because God's right here. God's close to you. God's saying, man, I love you. I'll never leave you, forsake you. I'm with you every step of the way. You know, I didn't design you to run this race on your own. I designed, I designed you to take all this step in your own strength. You don't have a Superman cape. You're not gonna make it on your own power. I've got the power for you, I've got your back. I'll love you no matter where you do, where you go. Never leave you, forsake you. I go before you, behind you. Don't forget I called you. I, I sent my son for you. I give my best for you. I'm with you every step of the way. Don't give up, keep pushing. When it's tough, don't worry because I'm there for you. Don't run from me when you face your biggest problems. I'm here for you, I love you always. And this is what God is telling you. This is who God is. You're not gonna see it all out there in the world. The world ain't gonna tell you that. Jesus is walking step by step by step because love, he's gonna whisper in your ear because he's close to you because the Lord is near. Love you, babe. <laughs> what are you gonna do? The only reason I did it is because I wanted to kiss her. That's how I roll. That's how I work. That's how I roll right there. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. This is just breaking down for you. It's not your ability. It's not your ability that gets you through anxiety and fear and doubt. It's not your strength. I'm going to tell you something. It's your humility. It's your humility. It's your ability to get out of the way and say, God, this isn't my story. God, I know you love my family more than I love my family. God, I know you were the first person to be unfollowed on Facebook. You're the first person that people didn't like and rejected. I know you carried your cross by yourself. So this isn't my story. This is your story. And when the devil tells you, hey, guess what? You're not good enough. You go, yeah, you're right. I'm not good enough because I'm not running this race on my own. You forgot there's a God that's with me every step of the way. So when I'm rejected and somebody speaks a bad word over me and somebody leaves me behind or I feel like I'm overwhelmed and I can't do it and I've got this big project, this mountain in front of me and I'm swimming in debt and I can't make things work out. Well, guess what? There's a greater power in me that I can't pull out and my weakness is made perfect. We guys sang about today that I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. It's not my power and strength that makes me through every day. It's not I'm a pastor, so I've got all the answers. Dude, I'm a broken follower of Jesus. Just the grace of God in my life saying, God, you've got this. My life's not perfect, but God, you've got this. I want to encourage you this morning, man, to run to Jesus, that he is your, he's your breath. Don't forget to breathe today. Hey, spoiler alert about Elijah, by the way. If you don't know how his story ends, it's actually pretty sweet because his greatest fear was that he was going to be killed, that he was going to die. If you know the end of the story, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 2. He's hanging out with his protege, Elisha, because that's not confusing, right? And so Elijah is hanging out with Elijah, who's going to take over his power. And God does something crazy that no one ever saw happen. He sends down a chariot with horses and fire and sweeps up Elijah into a whirlwind and brings him to heaven. You know, Elijah never died. Come on, where's my chariot, right? Like he never died. He was swept up to heaven. Elijah's greatest fear never came true. Like, it literally, in so many senses, he was anxious for nothing. For nothing. He ran 100 miles for nothing. He ran for God for nothing. He abandoned his friends for nothing. Everything he ran from didn't even come true in his life. I'm here to tell you so many things you're afraid of. Your greatest fear is probably never going to come true. Now, for some of you, it's going to come true. But it's not going to be as bad as you thought it was. Some of you may partly come true. And for some of you, it may come true. But God is with you every step of the way. God is with you. My lovers, remind you of Philippians chapter 4. May rejoice 
Now say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident among all men. The Lord is near in every situation. I'll be anxious for nothing, but by make my request known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make my request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus is enough. It's not my power, it's not my strength. The Lord is near. You know what? I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do all I can to be anxious for nothing.